Thank you. You're listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? Conversations in writing, art, and creativity. Today's episode is brought to you by my debut collection of true stories, A Paper Orchestra, available in print, ebook, and audiobook. To purchase and to support me and this podcast, please visit michaeljammin.com slash book. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone. My next guest is actress Paula Marshall. She has been, I worked with her years ago on a show called Out of Practice. I think it was like 2005. But Paula, before I let you get a word in edgewise, I got to tell everyone, like your credits are crazy long. So this may, your intro may tell, may take a long time. So I'm going to just give you some of the highlights to remind you of your incredible body of work here. Uh, and I'm really, these are just the highlights because she works a ton. So uh, well, let's see. Let's, I guess we could start with One Life to Live. That might have been your first one. Grapevine, Life Goes On, Wonder Years, Seinfeld. I heard of that one. Uh, Perry Mason, Diagnosis, Murder, Wild Oats. I'm skipping here. Nash Bridges, you did a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. Chicago Suns, Spin City, Cupid, Snoops, Sports Night, The Weber Show. It doesn't end. Just shoot me, which I worked on. I didn't even know you were on that. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe I wasn't there. Hidden yeah. Hills. And Out of Practice, which we did together, Veronica Mars, Nip Tuck, Shark, Californication. You did a bunch of Gary, Unmarried, House, Friends with Benefits, The Exes, CSI, The Mentalist, uh, Two and a Half Men, Murder and the First Major Crimes. Uh, what else we got here? Gordimer Gibbons. I don't know what that is. You have to tell me what that is. And then Modern Family, Euphoria. You did a bunch of them. Walker, Paula, I'm exhausted. And I'm going to steal your joke here. You can because I'm going to say you're Paula Marshall, but you may know me as Carla Gugino. That's that's what you used to tell me. Carla. And I know Carla. I know you're. Hard. She's like the younger version of me, slightly shorter. But bigger boobs. Bigger boobs. But you have done so much. Let me. I'm oh. going to jump. I'm going to jump into the hardest part. I'm going to. I'm wondering if this is the hardest part for you. Is being a guest star on a show because you have to jump in with the cast. You have to know the rules and everything. Is that harder? Yes, hundred percent. It's it's harder. Um, when I guest star on any uh, shows, if I hadn't if I haven't seen the show, I watch three or four on YouTube just so I know who's who, right. um, and the vibe and the energy. When I guest starred on Modern Family, um, their last season, and some could say I canceled the show by being <laughs> I've been called a show killer before. <laughs> I remember Mark, you told that, right? Yeah, I'm still, I still have not let that go. Um, I like to say I've just worked on so many different shows at, at its peak and then it died. Anyway, um, it's hard because they're all in a flow and depending on the other actors, how cool they are to kind of throw the ball at you. you know, but do are- you, do you have to identify who's like, who's the alpha dog on set? Is that what your plan is? It's pretty clear, like right away. Really? Um, it, it's yeah, it's, I mean, besides whoever's first on the call sheet, mm-hmm. I remember um, one of uh, the producers of Snoop's, um, David Kelly's first big bomb. That was me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a sure thing. What happened? <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure. Um, it will, when it was supposed to be a comedy, mm-hmm. quickly turned into a drama. It right. was just, not, it was not great. Um, but as one of the producers of Snoop said, um, you you don't fuck with the first person on the call sheet. You just, you don't fuck with them. 
Um, and so you you identify that person and depending, it, it, it's funny because I've worked with so many great people and so many assholes too. Um, like David Duchovny, damn, is he cool. Right. He's so nice. When I worked on Californication with him, he set a tone for the, just the set, the crew, the actors, of this freedom uh, just to try things. And mm -hmm. I remember during my, it was like the first day, naked, throwing up. Um, Wait, were you nervous? What, why are we throwing up? Hello? Of course. But I remember. You don't, you're, you don't, you're never nervous, Paul. Let me tell you I'm who really you nervous. are. No, you're the most self-assured person I probably I've ever worked with. <laughs> you're well, very confident. Thank you. I'm acting. Um, acting. But Californication, it was my first day um, on set, naked, like fake fucking. Um, and I remember standing there like it was yesterday. And I like they're tweaking you and, you know, touching you up. And I say to everyone, you know, it's amazing what I'll do for twenty nine hundred dollars when a strike is pending. It was the uh, writer strike <laughs> way back in the day. And I remember getting this part on Californication and I'm like to all the girls in the audition room when we, we used to have auditions in rooms with other yeah. people. Um, I said, I looked around, I'm like, we're not going to really have to be naked. We're not those type of actresses, you know? And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like standing there. Yeah. Yeah. I was naked. So. Was that your first time on in a show being naked? I mean, on a show? On a show, yes. Because you were in a model. I'm sure you, as a model, you're, you know, you're doing wardrobe changes all the time. I used to model. Uh, I was naked in a few things back in the day. <laughs> Wait, so were you really nervous about it? Or I mean, I, I imagine you would be, but were you? But standing there naked is one thing. You you just kind of have to dive in the pool, in the cold, cold pool, yeah. um, and, and, and let it go because... You know, you got to put on the confident jacket. Like, I guess I obviously wore a lot around you. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's more uncomfortable, like, you know, the fake sex scenes. It's it's more technical right. and awkward. It's, you know, it's just but nervous. I don't know. Yeah, you're excited. But I'm also excited when I walk on stage on a sitcom before, you know, if I'm not already in the uh, in the set when they start rolling, I'm backstage like, How's my hair? Shit. You know, how am I doing? Okay. I get hyped up until you do it once and people laugh and you're like, oh, okay. Are you worried about going up on your lines at all? Is that at all you're thinking about? Yes. Especially <laughs> now. Oh shit. My memory. It's just that prevagen. I'm going to look it up later. Um, uh -huh. But yeah, you do. But if you, in a sitcom situation, you know, we run it, we rehearse it all week. Um the lines are changing all week. That's it, all I well, know. Yeah, but they're changing all week. But then you run it and and you you drill it like on on TV shows like Euphoria or whatever. Yeah, you run it. But well, then again, they don't really change the lines at all. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you you were a little bit. But then you got a great script supervisor that you're like, I'm up, and then they say it, and then you go back and you do it. But yeah, always there's there's I'm always really nervous until like maybe the second take. The anything. hardest thing it seems to me is just like. To okay, you're naked and you're you have to forget that there's a, all these people there. Yes. You have to well, completely. You know, it's almost like you're yes. crazy to have it, to be able to forget that. Michael, when you're paid twenty nine hundred dollars, that's right. You know, I, I was shocked. Like that's all you get, like for being naked. 
Um, yeah, you do. You are nervous, but I, you know, I don't know. I was 40 then. So I looked pretty good naked. Um, I, although I only had like four days notice and back then we didn't have Ozempic. Um, so <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't, no salt, no bread. Um, and I remember in, wow. in that shot that the camera guy was, they decided, you know, in the moment, Hey, can you walk over to David and then bend over? He's on the bed and then kiss him. I'm like, well, that depends. What what's your lens there? You got there, and there and I'm like, how wide is your lens? And he looked at me. And I'm like, I, I'm a photographer. I like taking right. pictures, so I know. And I'm like, so I'm gonna bend over with my white ass, and I had four days' notice on this, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and my ass is just gonna be in the yeah, pretty much. And you're like, oh, okay, I could do it, but you're just you hope for body makeup. I don't know. I don't think I had any. Ah. Oh. I should have demanded body makeup. And this was probably even before there were, what do they call them now? Like Intimacy coordinators. Yes, oh, right. Oh, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I guess it helps when you're not a loud mouth person like me. Uh, and even then it's hard to go, hey dude, keep your tongue in your mouth. Right. You don't want it in your mouth. Um, sometimes you're like, damn, he's a great kisser, Jason Bateman. I I enjoyed the tongue in my mouth. So it kind of depends. depends on who's sticking the tongue. <laughs> um, but the intimacy coordinator, I think it's just so people know what's going to kind of happen <laughs> and get it. But like Californication, no, we didn't have that. This movie I was naked on with Peter Weller called The New Age. Uh, no, I remember in the middle of the scene, I'm on the bed and he's looking down at me. And during one take, he decides to suck on my nipple. Shocking. I turn bright red, which is what I do when I get nervous. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Because I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. I'm like, okay. And and I don't think they used it. But like, if there was an intimacy coordinator back then, I probably would have known. Yeah. So it's wow. good, I guess. But it's corny and you feel silly. Oh my God. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the photography thing. Cause that's one of my, that was one of my memories from working together and out of practice. This was before people had camera phones and cell phones. So, mm -hmm. And you carried a phone, you carried a camera everywhere. Yeah. And I remember thinking you're the star of a sitcom. You're the star. I mean, you're an artist doing her craft and yet it's still not enough that you wanted to work on something. You wanted to do something else as well. Maybe it's, um, my parents, uh, growing up, they always had these really cool black and white pictures of them. And I used to look at them and go, wow, that was your life then. And it was hard to even imagine when they were so young. And so it's like photos are life to me. And I guess I don't want to forget the moments of my life that are important. And, and so I have, I always would bring a camera with me on set on location more then mm -hmm. sitcom um, stages aren't as conducive to like really cool shots. Yeah. But yeah, just I, I I I like capturing life. And you're still doing it on 35 oh, millimeter. I, I still do it. I although I did give in and I have a digital camera now because it's easier. It's easy. You know, develop for, film in there. for many years. You know, for many you took my headshot for me, and for I many did. years, for way too there. long, I used that as my headshot. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. I remember it was Did great, I and I wore Danny's shirt. You go, yeah, put this on. You don't you look terrible. <laughs> Whatever I was wearing, I still do that. People still come over, my friends, and I'm like, you need a headshot. Put Danny's shirt on. He has some nice shirts. It's so um, funny. Yeah, I do. I still like taking pictures. 
you know, one of my, I got to share another memory I had from out of practice, which I, I, I cherish this one. So it was right before it was show night. For some reason, I don't know why I had to run up pages to the cast. And maybe you were in the green room. We were somewhere upstairs. I don't know what the hell dressing. I don't know what was going on. I knock on the door and all of you were standing in a circle holding hands. And Henry goes, Michael, you're just in time. Come on in. And then, and then I go, well, in time for what? And then he, he tapped, this blew my, like, I love this memory. And you guys were just like, I don't know what you would call it, but you were invoking a good show to be supportive of each other and to be brave and true. And I was like, I can't believe, I felt so honored that I was included in it. I was like, are you serious? Henry, I, I actually forgot that memory. And thank you for reminding me of it. Um, Henry's just, he's something special. He like, is. I know when he, there's there's rumors, oh, who's the nicest guy in Hollywood? Henry Winkler. It's because it is, he is. Yeah. Uh, I could text him right now. And he would literally text me within like eight minutes. He will text me back. Oh, Paula, it's been so, he's just a deer. And so, he is. you know, again, back to the, when you go on set and who creates that energy. Um, although Chris Gorham, I think was first on the call sheet, um, not Henry Winkler, but Henry was our dad. I mean, he was, he, it, he was such a pro and um, he, yeah, he just created this lovely energy there. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so you, that's not common then for other shows that you've worked oh, on. People no. don't do that. Uh -uh. That's not uh -uh. a theater thing. It seems like a theater thing. You would think. I think um I don't know maybe it was a happy days thing. Um why don't you start it on your next show? What? Why don't you start I, doing it? I think show? I might. I'm going to make it now. I forgot. I thought it was so interesting. I was like, "Wow." And but it not it's getting back to that first point. Mm -hmm. Even the person okay, the First person on the claw sheet technically is the, the head cheese, but they might not be the most difficult by far at all. I mean, you don't That's know who's, who's the boss. That's true. Right. I mean, sometimes uh, the and character is an asshole. I mean, I think mostly people, when they're not, they don't really want to be there. They they kind of rebel. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to be on a sitcom. I remember- Did that change? Oh, God, please. I just remember, um, I believe my first sitcom was Seinfeld. It, I may have done a guest spot on some other one that maybe never aired or I can't remember, or maybe I just think it's cooler to say my first sitcom was Seinfeld. I'm not sure. But that that show, um, I, I, I don't know. There's, there's, like, I don't, there's like a magic, um, but they didn't do any of that either. But they kind of really invited me in. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just thinking, do you prefer to do sitcoms like multi-camera oh, sitcoms? Yes, yes. Because the audience. Because the audience. Because it's it's a high I've never gotten anywhere else in my life. Not that I need to be high, but damn, when when you go out and you make people laugh, yeah, with a look or a line or a physical movement. I mean, it's it's magic. And um, working with the actor. Knowing it, more like theater, which, by the way, I've never done. Um, well, why don't you do theater then? I don't know. I don't know. I'll call my agent. Another thing I'll write down. Prep yeah, time. do that. Um, uh, but I, probably only if it's a comedy. But it's that right. magic that um, that you don't have to go and do another take. And then they turn around and then you got a close up again. I yeah. mean, it's kind of boring. Like our television is there's no magic in it. Ever. Yeah. 
except on euphoria. I have to say there's magic there. It Why? Really, Why do you say that? Because the writing, uh-huh. the directing, uh, the story, uh, the level of, of acting. I mean, when I fought, when Marsha is my character, mm-hmm. um, when Marsha actually had a couple things to say, I remember I called or I spoke with Sam Levinson um, and I was like, dude, you know, it's me, right? You wrote like eight, like an eight page monologue almost for Marsha to say. And he goes, yeah, I can't wait to see it. And I'm like, oh my God, I was so nervous. I studied for like three weeks. There was no rewrites. And then it's me and Jacob Elordi, you know, on set and, and we get there and there's no rush. There's no limitation. There's, there's just like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I kind of feel like you're doing this. And then you're, then you're doing the cookies and a lot of movement. And, but we just, we did it until it felt good. And then we knew it. And there was a magic there. No one's laughing at me, but uh, there's something special about that show. I mean, I've heard rumors like, oh, and the on set. And I'm like, oh, not for me, not for me at all. for you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. What do you do though when you're, when you're on set and you have an idea how you want to play a, or speech, how you want to deliver a speech huh. and the, and your act, your scene partner is just on doing something completely fucking different. What do you do? <laughs> how do you handle that? Um, if, if you know, you don't have a say, meaning you're a guest star and you do what they tell you to, mm-hmm. how high do you want me to jump? That's what you do. But if you're, you know, working together and you're equal, you know, parties, you probably have run it before, but I would say um, if they're not doing something that I want, then I use it and I am frustrated in the scene or I um, just use whatever they're giving me because that's, right. that's, that's all I got. And I try to put that into my character. How, mu- how much training have you had though? That's very actory, actor speak. It really did sound a little actory and I'm, yeah. I apologize for that. No, it's good. I like um, it. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I lived in New York City and I took acting class with this guy named Tony Abeson. And uh-huh. like Jennifer Aniston was in my class and oh, wow. um, uh, just a bunch of like young people. Um, but not all that much. Not all that much. I just, I think um, like the comedy thing, I don't, I didn't even know I was funny with, with Seinfeld. You know, the guest stars aren't usually funny in sitcoms. It's the the lead, you know, the main characters, uh, the stars of the show are funny. Right. The guest stars just kind of like throw the ball and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but something happened after I was on Seinfeld. And then I read for, I guess it was Wild Oats, which was with um, Paul Rudd and Jana Marie Hupp and Tim Conlon. Um, it was a sitcom on Fox. It was the same year that another show called Friends was coming out. <laughs> and right. I remember them, someone was interviewing us saying, oh, well, there's another show that, you know, NBC is doing with a group of friends. It's kind of like yours. And we're all like, friends, what's that? You know, cut to. <laughs> um, and ours was canceled after like one season. Um, but that's, I think, the first time I I was like, oh, shit, I, I can do this. Like, I, I know how to I know how to deliver a joke. But I never learned that. Again, right. I don't, it just kind of happened like one year in pilot season. Just kind of happened, and my agents were like, "Oh, Paul is funny, okay." Yeah. And then one time, I remember I read for a pilot. After you do so many comedies, then people go, "Well, she's she's a comedic actress. She's not. She can't do drama." And then you're like, 
the fuck? Of course I could do drama. I remember one time during this callback, no, original, uh, just the first audition. Um, and I had heard they don't, the casting director doesn't think you're funny or only thinks you're funny, doesn't think you're as good dramatically. Wow. Obviously, but, if you could do comedy, you could do drama. I don't know. You would think it's the other way around. It never works. Like it's really hard to yeah. do comedy. Right. But literally, I was like, well, I'm so angry that she thinks I can't. Finally, they couldn't find this girl, the character for the pilot. Uh, and then they finally, okay, Paula, we'll see her. So I get in there and it was Davis Guggenheim was the director. I love Davis. He, after I read, I think it was like three scenes. And during the last scene, I broke down and I was in tears over something. And I look up with like, you couldn't have placed the tear better. And I look up. And I ended the scene and Davis goes, my God, Paula Marshall, you are one fine actress. And I do this. I look at the casting director and I go, you see, I'm not just funny. And I grab my bag and I walked out and I go, well, I just fucked myself. Like for any future <laughs> casting director again. But like there was something that came over me and I was like, I need you to know that I, yeah. I'm not just one thing or the other. And then Davis, like probably three weeks later, texts me, I've been fighting every day for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? When you get these weird texts from people, I'm like, did I get the part? I got the part. And they didn't, you know, they didn't want to see me. It's but, so um, interesting. Like, so like, cause you're, I mean, you're obviously, a, you're a working actor. You work a lot, you're successful. And yet you still feel like you're placed in this box and you have to prove yourself and get yeah. out of it. But there's something I really love about, um, uh, there's part of me that I want to read and I want everyone to look at that tape and go, fuck, I wish we could hire her. Like, I wish there weren't the limitations and we didn't have to pick Carla Cugino <laughs> or whatever. Like, <laughs> I wish we could pick Paula. Like, I want them to go, fuck, man, she was really good. I want to stick in their brain. Like, I always, I would cancel auditions if I wasn't ready for it. If I really knew I wasn't going to kill it. Um I wouldn't go um, or I won't put myself on tape. I don't have enough time to prepare for it because I, that's like the last thing they see of you. Yeah. I want it to be the best thing they see of me. So I only want to leave them with that because they're not going to remember that other stuff. That's a good point though. Are you, are you doing a lot of self tape now? Is it any, is there anything in person? I have not have any, any, any auditions in person yet. Um, wow. Actress ever carried. And I think she's had like her third yeah um one and she always posts about it she's so cute um and i think she booked one no everything i have like a room now in my house it's the tape room and i've got a nice beauty light and i've got the tripod again it's kind of easy for me because i have photography yeah uh, stuff but so, who are you acting again or oh, does danny help you out well danny will sometimes read with me my daughter would read with me and sometimes when i'm all by myself I read with myself. Like I will have an, a tape of the other voice, which is oh, wow. me. Or sometimes I leave space and then I put the audio in later. I mean, it's crazy. the stuff that happens like during COVID. We've got very creative over here. But in some ways though, because you know this, sometimes a casting director is like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like there couldn't be more wooden. And so in some ways it's gotta be easier for you. Right? Yes. And no. Um, Yes, because I get to pick the take I want. Right. Two, because two, I didn't even say one. A, B, I <laughs> um, I don't get nervous. So there's no nerves to like, 
you know, hold me back or, oh man, I should have done it. Or I mess up. I just do another take. But then there's also, there's something about going in and being vulnerable in front of all those people and showing them what you can do. And especially in a, a comedy, I can't, like I had a, it was like a zoom callback for a comedy and I live in the Hills and maybe it was the Wi-Fi or the, that slight timing was off just enough and or the reader wasn't funny and i'm trying to like connect with this dot yeah it's hard you can't there was it was there was no magic in it and you couldn't feel the other person and so i think in a way it's good in a way it's really not good so i'm willing to do whatever to get anything because i pay for college (laughs) so but also well there's also the fact that you have to drive across town. I mean, that's got to get old, right? Driving everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like when you're an actor, everything, you know, everything stops. You get a, a script. Everything stops. Right. You're not making dinner. You're not going out. You're not watching that movie or the show. You drop everything and then you focus on it. And hopefully, thankfully, because of our the strike and the new um, uh, negotiations that they got for us. <laughs> I think we we get like we don't have to do a self tape over the weekend. We need to have enough time to actually prepare for it, which right. is amazing. Because most of the time, like Gary, unmarried. I, I I think I I I got the audition at eight o'clock in the morning. It was to meet producers at like eleven o'clock the next day, and you're like, ah, okay, here I go. It's like you. It's really hard to to put all that energy and to yeah them something great. And I never understand why casting people or producers don't give us more time because we want to give you something great. We don't want to go in there and read. I don't. I want to, I want to, you know, perform for you. And it's hard to do when I don't have enough time to do it. Cause I also have a life. So I have other things, but you kind of do, you really drop it. You drop everything for an audition. It, it's interesting though. Like, I want to get, I want to get touched on something you said. You said it's hard to be vulnerable on camera but then you said doing comedy and do you feel like it's harder to be vulnerable? Because when I think of vulnerable, I think drama, not comedy. Yes, but there's nothing funnier. Like I remember my husband in many situations will say like, I'll, I'll be upset or crying and I'll say something really funny, but it humor comes out of the reality. Like you're honest to goodness, open soul, like your heart the funniest stuff I think comes out of me when I'm in a vulnerable position, if I'm angry, if I'm sad, um, when I'm just feeling whatever. So uh, I don't know. I think in many sitcoms I've cried and I've, you know, it's. it's how do you get past that though? Like, how do you get past that? That Yeah. That vulnerability thing. I mean, are you, are you a hundred percent past it or is there any, you know, is there any reservations? In, Ask that again. So like, very well, when you when you're vulnerable on camera or trying mm-hmm. to be, mm-hmm. like I, you know, how do you are you are you can you go? I don't know. Is there a limit to your vulnerability? Do you think on camera? Or are you I willing guess. to go there all the time, as much as as I far guess, as you want? I guess so. It, it most of the time it depends on how how much tears you have, uh-huh. and I usually, um, if the writing is good. And that's the big if 
like this thing that I ended up booking with Davis Guggenheim. It was with John Corbett and I had to cry and it was maybe like a steady cam up the stairs and going and I break down and I crumble to my knees. And I swear to God, I did it like maybe 17 takes. And then we'd come around and turn around on him and I end up crying again. And John, after we, they yelled cut, he goes, Paula, what are you doing? Why are you crying again? I go, I don't know. The words are making me cry. Like I'm just tapped in doing it. You know, they wipe it away, but you got to be careful because I'm vain and you, and you got to look like you're not crying and I'm really crying. So I get red and my eyes get bloodshot and and you look different and the snot and you got to fix the whatever makeup. Um, But no, but when it's great, when the writing is great, of course, usually you don't have to do it 17 takes. It was just had a lot to do with the steady cam and whatever. But usually you do it in like three takes and you nail it and it's good. And they're like, wow, that was great. Let's move on. So you don't really have to like in a movie, you know, you if you nail it, you nail it and they move on. Um, What do you what do you do, though, when you're in it and you feel like you feel like you're slipping out of it? Okay, so that when I I drink this, so I I have yeah. at least one of those before every like tape night. I would always drink a Coke. Um, if I can't really like if the if the writing isn't talking to me, if it I can't relate to it, I, I do that substitute thing. If I have to cry and it's just, like really not making me cry, the subject mm-hmm. and the, the words, I, I substitute for something else that makes me cry. I'm a freakishly emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, I cry a lot. I'm very sensitive. Um, you wouldn't really think that because I'm kind of, I'm kind of like my Danny calls me like bottom line Marshall and I'm very like tough and whatever and no nonsense. And I say it like it is. And I will always tell you if you look fat in that dress, <laughs> I like to be honest. Um, but I don't know. Um, but is there a moment where you feel like you're okay, you're on, you're in this, you're giving a speech, you're in a scene hey. and you're, and then you're like, Oh, I'm acting now. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, every once in a while, I mean, I'll finish the scene cause I don't want to, I don't want to stop myself and cause they might like it. And for whatever reason, but I'll always say, can I have another one? Can I please yeah. have another one? Or, Oh my gosh, I really like the second take. Can like, just, can you make a note of that? That the second take was much better. They know it's obvious when you see someone telling the truth, yeah. It's obvious which one is better, but you can't just tell the truth once and then move on because you don't know. Maybe there was a sound issue on that take. Yeah. No. So it's yeah. tricky. Yeah. You know, every once in a while you think you have it. The The crappy thing is when they come around to you or they start on you and then you finally figure something out. I remember Bette Midler, we were doing the scene and we they were on us first. It was a movie. I guess Danny and I did the scene together and it was bet opposite on the, on a table and they go to her, they turn the camera on her. And then she goes, Oh, I just figured it out. Or like, no, the opposite. We did her first. Forgive me. We did her first. And then they came on us. And then she goes, Oh, I just figured out the scene. Like, can I do it again? And you know, Carl Reiner's like, no, we got to move. We we got, no, we're, we're out of here. So sometimes it takes a while to figure it all out. Yeah. Um, and she just thought she didn't nail it. Sure, it's Bette Midler. She nails every every take every, all the time. You are listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, 
a paper orchestra, a collection of true stories. John Mayer says it's fantastic. It's multi-timbral. It runs all levels of the pyramid at the same time. His knockout punches are stinging sincerity. And Kirkus Review says, those who appreciate the power of simple stories to tell us about human nature or who are bewitched by a storyteller who has mastered his craft will find a delightful collection of vignettes, a lovely anthology that strikes a perfect balance between humor and poignancy. So, you know, my podcast is is not advertiser-supported. I'm not running ads here. So if you'd like to support me or the podcast, come check out my book. Go get it an ebook or a paperback, or if you really want to treat yourself, check out the audiobook. Go to michaeljammon.com slash book. And now back to our show. So. Do you have these conversations with them? Do you have conversations with, you know, actors with more experience? And I don't know, are, are you still trying to learn from them? I just pay attention to what they're doing. I don't think I like pick their brains like that. Uh-huh. Um, but I just watch them and I watch and I see. Like, what, are you, what are you looking for? Well, sometimes technically, how yeah. they do it. I remember my first movie, Hellraiser 3. Um, I learned a lot about continuity. Right. Which is something they don't really teach in acting class. If yeah. I'm going to my drink up and sip it, I have to do that every single time. If I'm going to eat in the scene, I got to do it every single time. And I have to figure that out. And you have to really, if you're really going to eat, you got to really eat. Yeah. Um, teeny little bites, like make your choice. But I learned things from different people. Um, um, uh, I remember like Robert Duvall, he... I played his daughter in a movie and he just, he, he would act and he kept going until his body knew it was over. And I remember the director had yelled cut at one point and he got really mad. He goes, I wasn't done. <laughs> and, but he had finished talking and he goes, I'm oh. still acting here. It's like, I'm still walking here, but it was like, I'm yeah. still acting. Like I, I'm still doing, there's still so much more there. I observe and I, I see how they deal with uh, issues and problems and their focus. Like Mershka Hargitay, I guest starred on that show of hers. And we used to, we auditioned uh, a lot in the beginning. Like we came up at the same time. Yeah. And um, she just, everything was so serious to her. Um, she really so passionate about her show and she threw away nothing. Like it was, it was really kind of impressive after a hundred seasons now that she cared so much. Um, Cause some people after, you know, four seasons, they're like ready to go. They're like, yeah, I got a movie to done. I'm ready to go. But yeah. there's certain people like Mariska who um, from day one till, you know, again, I think it's 25 seasons or 24 or something. Crazy. I remember when I worked with her and I hadn't seen her in like 15 years or something. I just am like, God, how rich is she? And so instead, <laughs> I was like tacky. I'm not going to say that. So again, I walk up to her and it was kind of emotional <laughs> that we hadn't seen each other in so long. I hugged her and I said, how big is your house? Uh -huh. she, goes, she goes, I can't complain. I, I'm yeah. like, Man, you know, but she, uh, she's very passionate. And so many actors are. And then there's some who are not and who like are ready to go. And what do you, what, okay. And who are they? Like, not, not names, but like, why are they there? Do you, like, are they just rock stars who became actors like what do you how, you don't, don't know just don't, falls into a job like that i i don't um there was one person and he just seemed really angry all the time i don't think he was just a happy person um if you don't like doing this i'm not sure why you're doing it um i don't know there's just something inside you i mean this is the greatest 
thing ever to be paid to do what you love. And again, when my daughter said she wanted to be an actress, an actor, sorry, uh, I I was so happy because I was like, that's where I found joy in my life. I I grew up in Rockville, Maryland, and I didn't know anybody. And um, I just watched the Mary Tyler Moore show and I went, mm-hmm. yep, that's what I want. I How could I, Why who do I, how do I do that? Like, I had no idea, like none. Um, and to find like joy there. So when a person is coming to set and they're angry, it, it could be, they don't like the, the, the words. The actors are very particular about if your dialogue is not great, it's really hard. It's like yeah. so much easier when you have great dialogue and the scene makes sense and the, the relationships, you buy them. It's so easy to do it. It's like yeah. effortless and it's so real and it's so honest. And then when you've got this other stuff and you have to say the name of the person to remember the thing, you know, it's very like cookie cutter network television, which you would think at this point would look at streaming and go, you yeah, know, they're doing something right over there because it's the quality is just beyond. Well, how did you figure it out then? Okay. You're in Maryland. How did you figure yes. out, oh, you know, you, you stopped in New York first. What was that? I, did. I, I moved to New York. Um, I modeled in Georgetown as a, like a um, local model there doing little ads for Montgomery Ward and, um, I didn't really want to go to college. Mm-hmm. I my parents didn't make me go to college. I think I had like two grand in my pocket from doing things here and there. Um, I started doing commercials locally, and this woman by the name of Jay Sumner, who is the booker at this modeling agency called Panache, she said we were at Champions, it was a bar called Champions, and though how I was there drinking at the bar, I don't know because I think I was eighteen. She she said, you know, Paula, you're so much more interesting in person than you are in a piece of paper, meaning I'm pretty, I'm good enough on paper, but you're so much more interesting in real life. And she goes, I think you should be an actress. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> really? And I'm like, well, you know, I always used to watch, you know, Mary Teller Moore and all of that, but like, you know, I'm from Maryland. What am I, how am I going to do that? And she goes, I know somebody. I know someone in New York named Davian Littlefield, who's a manager, and I can set you uh, set you up with a meeting. I'm like, what? So I ended up moving to New York City. I got modeling was my waitressing job. Right. Um, I got a lot of money. I didn't. It didn't take a lot of time. Uh, it was really easy. I love photography, so there was that connection that I wasn't just sitting there like an idiot with you right. know bathing suits or lingerie or junior wardrobe or whatever. Um, so that was kind of my waitressing job to allow me to pay for rent and um, acting classes. And then I was like, you know what? I think I, I really like it. it. It's true. I'm I, just a piece of paper. And it's funny because I love taking pictures. I love stopping life. But there was just, I guess, more to me than just the piece of paper. Um, so I guess that's kind of how it happened. And how did, how did LA happen then? So I... <clears throat> I would audition test for a lot of things. I would fly to, uh, to LA for different pilot projects. Like I would read in New York and then they, most of the things were shooting in LA, not New York at all back then. Right. And, uh, so I would fly to LA and I, I think it was just one of my agents said, look, Paul, if you really want to do this, you got to live in LA. Right. I was like, ah, okay. So I moved to LA 
And um, yeah. And, you know, I was like young and 20, I think I was 25 when I moved here, kind of old um, to kind of start, but I looked right. really young. And, you know, when you, when you read for enough things and enough people um, are interested, um, my, the head of my agency uh, said to me after like a pilot, I, or I, I tested for something and it, I didn't get it. And he told me back when we didn't have computers, we had to go pick up our scripts and there would be like a box outside the script, uh, their office after mm -hmm. hours, you would look through and, yeah. and go, oh, these are my scripts and the manila envelopes. It says Paula Marshall on it. Um, anyway, I was kind of sad and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm not booking anything. And he goes, but you're testing a lot. Like yeah. very close. And I'm like, what does it take? What, what am I lacking? What am I missing that I'm not booking the thing? He goes, I believe in you and you need to keep doing this. And then I did. I slowly would start booking things. Um, what, what was what were you lacking? Do you know? Maybe it was the confidence. Maybe I was really nervous. I remember one time. I think it was during uh, the Flash. It was a pilot called The Flash with John Wesley Ship and Amanda Pays. Amanda Pays. Anyway, um, I ended up booking it. But I remember in the audition room. I think it was NBC or I don't know one of the big three. The scene, I put my hand on my knee and I was shaking so much from being nervous that I was like, oh, stop doing that. I don't want them to know I'm nervous because yeah. they want everyone to be fearless and confident. And 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 I, I get that because it takes a lot to go stand in front of a bunch of people and say stuff over and over or stand there and be naked and do it over and over. There's got to be part of you that's kind of cocky and confident enough that you think that you could do that over and over um, with someone else's words. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that I do this. Um, but I don't know what tipped me over the scale. It, I, I never gave up and I kept doing it and trying to figure it out and asking and asking, you know, the casting directors and they always say nice things. They never say, well, you messed this thing. No, it's just, there's like a magic. Like if I don't book something now, I don't take it personally. Someone else just had a little bit more magic that day and they tapped into the character and the, the writer saw that person that they wrote down and spent so many hours writing. That blonde girl or Carla Gugino just got it better than I did. That's okay. Like I but know what I'm do you, I, to me, one of the hardest parts of acting, aside from the acting part, is like the fact that you really don't have, like you, you don't have agency over your, you have to wait. Often you have to wait. So what do you do in that time? Um, well, <clears throat> you you find hobbies. Uh -huh. you, I learned very early on to save money. Um, you live under your means. Right. So even if you have, even if you get a gig and you're the lead in a show, you're making a lot of money per week. And like me, most of the shows, they did not go more right. than a season. So you have to take that and, you know, live under your means. And you can't spend money and buy fancy things. I invested my money in my house. I this like, I think maybe three or four houses now. Um, um, I try to invest my money and I fill my days with other things. Um but do you stress? Do you stress about it at all, or no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, 
in the beginning, early on, I was very busy all the time. There wasn't a lull. And when you do have like a, a, a job on, if you're a series regular on a show, you love your weekends. You, you know, yeah. you love your time off. If you're working crazy hours, sitcoms, not crazy hours. You know that. Yeah. Um, well, those are writers. Great it is. I mean, yes, I'm, that's yeah. true. <laughs> but, you know, if you're a, a, a director, Jimmy Burroughs would be like, I got a tea time at 3.30. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, it's a dream. And maybe that's why I love the sitcom so much, because you got to do, got to act and have like a real life. Yeah. When I had my daughter, uh, I remember going, how do I, how would I be a mom and work on a single camera show? Like yeah. I would never see the kid. So when I um, was pregnant or when I read for out of practice, I had just had my daughter a week before um, I got, I went in to test for the show over at CBS. Mm -hmm. Like there was a, a script on my doorstep when I brought her up on in the baby thing. And I'm like, I'm a mom and oh, right. I'm an actress and I'm 20 pounds overweight. And oh my, like I thought I was going to push the, I'm not going to work for a year button. Um, mm -hmm. That was kind of the plan. Then I saw the script and I read it and I'm like, oh man, it's a sitcom. Like, I'm not going to work very many hours. I'm going to work yeah. three weeks on, one week off. I'm like, maybe I'll just do it. Maybe I'll just read for it. And we'll see. And I really liked it. I really liked yeah. the character. And then when I got it, I was like, oh, shit, I don't even have a nanny. Like, what do I, how do I do this? So Danny went with me tape night. He was my nanny. I remember them going home because the baby, they were cool. Once we got picked up, um, they allowed me to have a little trailer outside for my um, nanny, Mariella and Maya. And um, I was breastfeeding at the time. She was just born and uh, it allowed me to do that. And I remember Henry, like Henry Winkler still was like, how's Maya? And he, it, it was just a great thing. I had my baby. I, like I was, you couldn't ask for a better um, job for a mom. Like I was yeah. my dream. Oh, and I was having a baby when I was 40 years old. Like it's sitcom is the greatest thing in the world. And I'm still trying to get back on one. Like, there's just not that many of them now. It's really sad. I, I've yeah. written like three of them. Speaking of writing. Yeah, um, go on. The writer. So I've, I've, um, I remember, I think it was when I didn't, when the pilot that I did with John Corbett, when I cried 17 takes in a row, when that didn't get picked up, uh, I remember I was dropping off my daughter at elementary school and Dave Grohl, yes, that Dave Grohl yeah. sees me. And I had just found out that the the pilot wasn't picked up. It's called Murder in the First. No, sorry, different thing. It was, it was called, called something different. Um, that was another show that I did. Um, but anyway, so Dave Girl's like, Paula Marshall, what's up? You look sad. And I'm like, oh. another pilot wasn't picked up. Like, oh, it just sucks. And he goes, you know, Paula, you know, when I, when like either his studio or something um, they didn't like the music or whatever. And he goes, you know what I did? Like put his arm around me. We're walking down the hallway and he goes, I just did it myself. I got the setup and I just did it myself. And he goes, you should do it yourself. Why don't you write something? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, why don't I? And I'm like, well, cause one, I'm not a writer, but he goes, who cares? So because of Dave Grohl, um, that opened the door to getting ideas out, 
uh, writing something for me. So. One thing actually, I mean, it went kind of far. Um, an idea went very far that I ended up producing with um, Paul Reiser and Betsy Thomas wrote it. This was a little bit before, but it's an outlet for me. I'm still not great at final draft. I'm still like, oh, how do I get the thing and the thing and the page? I can't even figure it out half the time. Um, but so I've I've written a few sitcoms, um, mostly from my point of view, right? Um, because I want the job. Because I want to. I want. But so they, you wrote a single camera sitcom, and then you showed it to to Paul, and and then. So what happened? Paul, the Paul and Betsy one. Um, that was I met a I met Paul's. I believe his name was Alex, but I can't really remember. Um, I met this guy at a wedding, and he was like, "Oh, you're really funny," and blah blah blah. I'm a big fan. I'm like, "Oh, that's nice. Thank you very much." And he goes do you have any ideas? Do you write? And I go, no, I don't write. Um, I go, I have this idea for a show. And he goes, really, why don't you come pitch it to me and my partner? I'm like, great. Okay. He was Hollywood. Yeah. I'm like, who's your partner? <laughs> he goes, who's your partner? And he goes, Paul Reiser. I'm like, what? Um, okay. So I literally got his number and I I'm like, oh my God, like uh, I'm going to go meet with Paul Reiser. I go meet with Paul Reiser. I, I give him my pitch. Um, he really liked it and he goes, I like it. I, I think, uh, let's do it. Let's work together. I was like, you, you couldn't have given me anything that would have made me happier than the fact that Paul Reiser liked an idea of mine. It's almost like when I made Diane Keaton laugh in an audition, I literally called my agents and I was like, I'm good. I could die yeah. now. Bye. Um, so the Paul Reiser thing, it was just my idea. I had a lot of say, so I got to produce, I, I, I got to make a lot of decisions it was probably one of the greatest so you shot time. you shot it then so we shot it um and it wasn't picked up and um but you sold like, it to a studio yeah like all of them wanted it like this it's great. everyone but fox you know wow wanted that's it. amazing it was crazy but you know you have paul reiser like i but, i but watched i watched your stuff but you know but when you have someone like a paul reiser or a uh, someone who is respected in Hollywood yeah. and, and and has produced before, of course, people are going to give them a shot. Um, yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, they must have really liked it. So you were you wrote it and you started in it. I started in it. It was my idea, um, but I did not write it. Um, later on, I ended up writing things and pitching, and a lot of people like my stuff. And um, but I've really. I mean, I really should go out a little more aggressively than I do, but um, I have one right now that um, we're kind of sending around me and my buddy, um, Jeff Melnick, um, mm -hmm. that he really likes this story. And it was, uh, I won't tell you what it is because. Right. But that's not nothing. I mean, that's a big achievement, honestly. Because it's it, For me, yeah, I don't write. I still am a terrible speller because I have like a reading disorder. I've got uh -huh. this thing where reading is hard for me because the font and the text is very um contrasty so uh i'm i'm a terrible speller thank god for spell uh check because otherwise that well are you gonna work so you're working on another piece for, uh, for yourself as well then yeah, i'm so impressed i have about three scripts mm -hmm. um that uh i've worked on here and there and i remember i thought oh well covid this is this is when i'm gonna kill it i'm gonna yeah. knock these things out but what happened with covid um, we were so scared and my daughter was home going yeah. to you know, whatever ninth grade or 10th grade. And so it became that whole time became 
about helping her find joy. I always said every day, I'm going to help her get through this. And I really pushed all my stuff back like any good mom does. You know, let everyone eat before you eat. Maybe the way I grew up. Um, So I took care of her and all of that stuff um, before I focused on me. And then she went to college this year. And you would still think, I'm like, Paula, I gotta, I gotta finish these things, which I did. I'm, I'm back. I'm back doing it, and I like it. I really like it. There's something about, you know, you, the story. But no one ever taught me to write, so I'm writing from my my experience, the years of reading sitcom scripts. Yeah, like I have them in my closet. I have almost every single script, especially the ones that I loved. Yeah. Um, and I go back to it, and I refer back. I'm like, how did they do this? Even setting up, setting it up. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go back and and sneak a peek. That's really smart. Was it hard for you when she left the house? Jesus. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Hang on, like, yeah, make a break, touching up. Make a break. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, because she's not in, you know, Boston. Right. She's down the road. Um, it it feels like if something bad happened, I could be there. I don't have to get on a plane and only one right. direct flight. There's one school in Connecticut that she got into and it was a great school. And there's one direct flight at like 6 a.m. I'm like, this is never going to happen. Like, and she chose, I was like, whatever you want, wherever you want to go to college, it's your decision. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell you what I, but I'm, it's all up to you. And she chose, and it was something that's not too far away. Right. And, um, and it's great. Like I get to see her. Um, and, you know, it's worked out. It's a well, win. What about the emptiness of the house? I'm going to make you cry now. <laughs> That's what I feel like. The yeah. house is so empty. You know what? And I, I think, though, Michael, I think if she was in anywhere else, I think if I couldn't get to her, and that's a weird thing. Like, as a mom, it's it's about protecting your child. But, yeah, I could, I could cry when I think about certain things. Thanks, Michael. Um, cool. I could it's about protecting them. And, and I think that the distance, because we are close, she's still in, she's still here. Right. I don't like cooking dinner as much. I'm sorry, Danny. Um, Because I don't, there's like, I don't really have to. The the big change is, um, you know, just her presence, her energy. Yeah. Um, The thought about, well, what's my doing or what is she going to do? Now it's not. Um, and one of my scripts is, well, I'll tell you, one of my scripts is about what happens when your kid goes away to college. What happens to a woman? And and go ahead. Can you tell me a little bit? So uh, it started a while ago, just like my fear of who am I? What am I? What do I do? I mean, yes, yeah. I'm an actress. But then I kind of, I pulled from that. And I'm like, well, if I'm not an actress and I don't have a job and and everything has been bomb, there's so many places to go. Okay, you've just got to, you know, it's like reinventing yourself. Right. Yeah. It's almost every mom that I know who doesn't have a job. It's very true. You know, I was so fortunate that I could have my cake, my baby, and also work. Um, but a lot of parents, you know, they go to jobs and then they come home and Um, or they don't work at all. And then it's just mom, 100%. And they're, they're probably like exhausted and like happy. Some of my friends, I feel like they're like, I'm so glad, like, ah, finally I get to like, whatever. And either they're retiring and, 
they get to go travel. And I'm like, no, I'm an actor. Like I'm looking for a gig, whatever. I'm not, I don't think like actors ever truly retire. I think we don't. I don't think we do. I guess it depends on how much you love it and how much you, because yes. it must, you know, come on. It's got to, it's got to wear on you. The, the, the downs have to be, you know, I don't know, it, it, you know. Well, I think that probably just like a writer. Yeah. Have to be able to fill your day when you know you're not going to be working and making money. Again, it's right. why it's smart to save your money and invest it and and not buy that freaking mansion. You if you know if you if you got that check. Remember one time I went to the bank and I was depositing. It was before they had the picture, you know, phone yeah. deposits. I had a really big check, and it was the biggest check I think I've ever gotten. The first time I got that kind of money on a, a show and the, the teller, and I, again, I looked very young, the teller who didn't look much older than me took the, took the check <laughs> and he looked at me, he looked at the check and he looked at me and he goes, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Uh-huh. And I laughed. I go, I'm an actor. I go, but trust me, this thing, it's, like this isn't forever. Like I know it's not forever. So I have to live my life. Like it's not forever. Yeah. Um, because I, my goal is I, I never want to lose my house. <laughs> I always want to be able to afford things. Um, Cause you hear these horror, horror stories about, you know, these, you think you got it and then it shows canceled and mm-hmm. then like, it, you can't do that. I've always been like kind of smart when it comes to money. Um, but it's hard. It's 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 really hard. We spoke a little about this because your daughter's interested in acting, and I'm, and you were this is before we started taping. And what's your advice for her? Uh, my advice is uh, find a way to tap in and find the truth in anything. Right. Um, and if you can't, then again, you substitute. If it's not connecting you got to figure out a way to connect to it. It's, it's about, you know, being truthful in imaginary circumstances. It's really hard to walk into a room and pretend the thing and crying. Like you just really have to practice going there. I remember one time, and even in my life, like in my life situations, I will take note of them. One time I was in San Francisco drunk, drunker than I've ever been before for whatever reason. And I remember the hotel I was, I think it was during Nash Bridges. And I was like, oh, I'm so wasted. I want to remember what I look like when I'm this wasted. So I took my, I guess I did have a cell phone then. So I took my cell phone or my camera, no cell phone. And I recorded myself being drunk. And it's like that one actor, he always like, he would always Michael, he's an English guy. Michael, I forget his name. Um, uh, he would be like, "You have to, you don't, you can't overdo the acting, but you're trying not to be drunk." Yes, you have to try to make sure that the words are coming out, and then, and so that's what I did. I literally was like, "This is me talking at my." It was the craziest thing. So, in life, take advantage again. Back to the advice to my daughter live these experiences and remember them. Remember and if, them. You, if you cry, if you're sensitive and emotional, fucking use it. Like there's plenty of people who can't 
cry at the drop of a hat. I can cry. You give yeah. me something to like, people always know Paula can cry in a scene. Um, and even, even if I don't connect to it again, I, I substitute and I find a way I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional person. And uh thing I think I have trouble doing is the angry part. Like I'm not great at being super angry. I don't think I play a lot of those roles. Um, <clears throat> like I was doing, um, I worked with, uh, with uh, Stephen Weber on his new Chicago, his Chicago med, I was going to say new show. I, it's like year nine. Um, but I play his ex-wife. I think it's airing tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Mm. And there was a scene where I had to come in and I'm yelling at him. And I'm like, God, this is so not me. I'm not a yeller. I just, I don't yell. Like even in the middle of a fight, like if I'm fighting, I, I try to get it out. And then I like cry because I get frustrated because I can't say I'm not one of those like bitchy women, like wives who are like, I'm just not. Anyway, back to the advice for my daughter. Mm -hmm. You, you take life's experiences and you, and you, you know, you put a little like a, a, a marker on them and you remember them. So when you need them and like, I didn't even think I was going to have any children because I started so late. Uh, and as, as the actress in me, I just never thought like, I don't know, mom and my mom material. I don't know. I was like, you know what? I could really learn a lot as an actress mm -hmm. by, by tapping into that love. I, I remember you'd see my friends who had kids way, way early. And I'm like, God, they love these things. Like, what does that feel like? I'd never, I never knew what that was. And, and, you know, so I took that experience and without it, I don't, I, I don't think I would truly ever be able to play a mom as genuinely as I right. am love because man, I love my kid. And I didn't think I'd be like a great mom. I am the best mom. Like I, I am, and I love her and I love being a mom and all of it. Um, but so I tell my daughter to, um, you know, practice, practice, learn your lines, very easy. Um, and uh, don't go in if you're, if you're not prepared, like that's kind of like a big one. You're not There's ready. Like, just cause when you, just cause you said mom, Mm -hmm. Was there that fear the first time you decided to play mom? Like they say, like once you play mom, like oh, now she's a mom. Well, it's just an age thing, so that was never a thing for me. I, I'm gonna play whatever I look like for mm -hmm. sure. So I don't care. I don't care about right. that um, at all. Interesting, mm -hmm. Paula. This has been such a great conversation. I'm so thank you so much. Welcome. I, mean, I had so much fun talking I, with. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just love talking the craft with people like you. You're, you know, you're a pro and you're just, I don't know, so much wisdom to share. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank I you. I, I'm enjoying your, um, your Instagram <clears throat> posts. Oh, we'll, oh we'll talk about that. But yeah. all right. Well, thank you. That's it. That's it. You're released, but don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm going to, now we, now we're going to talk some more. Here. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. What a great conversation. Paula, should they follow you somewhere? Should they, did they do anything or just watch you on something? What do they want them to do? It depends on when you get this. Venmo uh, you the most. <laughs> what do Venmo you want? me? Ash is great. Um, um, I mean, my Instagram is the Paula Marshall, I guess. I'm not really great at all that stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know, Are you supposed to be though? Are you, do, do your yeah. agents tell you yes. to be? No, agents don't, but there's like, if you have so many followers, then it, it used to be this thing called a TVQ, which mm -hmm. is your TV quotes, <laughs> like how, how many people, like how many people know who you are. And that's just, social media has kind of taken that over. Really? Um, 
So people, I think people care how many followers you have. I do not. Again, but, but TVQ is not a thing anymore, you're saying? I don't think it is. Wow. No, I mean, maybe they call it something else. Um, but like, I know an actress friend of mine was early on in the Instagram thing. She's like, yeah, I got to join Instagram. Yuck. I'm like, yeah, yeah. the thing. She's like, I, you know, I was told I have to have it. And you got to pitch. It's I'm not that self-promoting. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say things that are inappropriate and crude and get kicked off of Twitter for it. But whatever. <laughs> That's who I am. Who you are. Yeah. Thank you again. Really. Oh, it was such an honor to have you on. It's All right, just- everyone. More conversations coming. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, until uh, next week, keep keep creating. You're an actor. Tell your friends about this. Uh, you're active. Other actor friends. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Wow, I did it again. Another fantastic episode of What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? How do I do it week after week? Well, I, I don't do it with advertiser-supported money. I tell you how I do it. I do it uh, with my book. If you'd like to support the show, if you'd like to support me, go check out my new book, A Paper Orchestra. It asks the question, what if it's the smallest, almost forgotten moments that are the ones that shape us most? Laura Sanjagoma says, good storytelling also leads us to ourselves, our memories, our beliefs, personal and powerful. I loved the journey. And Max Muchnick, who was on my show, says, as the father of daughters, I found Michael's understanding of parenting and the human condition to be spot on. This book is a fantastic read. Go check it out for yourself. Go to michaeljammin.com book. Thank you all and stay tuned. More great stuff coming next week.